and welcome to the Point of Care Ultrasound Certification Academy podcast, where we focus on POCUS. Here, we will discuss all things related to Point of Care Ultrasound, the practice, the trends, and its impact on healthcare. Our program will engage thought leaders who are defining global patient care with the stethoscope of the future. James Day here today recording live from the Focus on Pocus studios in the middle of the holiday season. Today we have Peter Bonadonna as our honored guest. Peter Bonadonna is a veteran paramedic with 41 years of experience in metropolitan and rural EMS, plus a 30-year career as a director of the Monroe Community College's paramedic program. Uh, a, a CAA HEP accredited program in Rochester, New York. It's all, he's also a pioneer of sorts. Peter was the first provider to put a computer in the ambulance for medical records and also one of the originators of using cell phones for telemetry and medical control. Despite objections, he continued to teach paramedics to read and interpret 12-lead EKGs two years before the equipment was available and to acquire them to put in the ambulance. Today, Peter is doing the exact same thing with point-of-care ultrasound. He, is an, he has an ultrasound machine in the classroom and teaches anatomy and physiology with the device so the students can actually see what they're learning about. Peter recognizes that point-of-care ultrasound is transformative and can substantially improve the care we deliver in the pre-hospital and hospital environment. Peter will prove to you that POCUS can be incredibly useful to emergency medical care, benefiting both the patients and the providers. Peter, glad to have you here today. Well, thank you for having me. So listen, I, uh, I did your bio real quick, but maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your background. Well, I've been a paramedic for 41 years, and in that time, I've uh, cared for patients both in the metropolitan area as well as out in the rural area. And uh, having been in those kinds of scenarios, I recognized that point-of-care ultrasound could really be of great benefit to us. So what got you interested initially in the point-of-care ultrasound? Oh, back in 1985, I was doing some work for one of the cardiologists who was uh, involved in our EMS system. And uh, he had a big ultrasound machine in his office, and uh, he always loved teaching. And so anytime somebody was interested in ultrasound, he would give them some pointers about it. And, uh, you know, I thought this would be amazing if... Um, we could have this in the ambulance, but the machines were as big as a refrigerator back then. <laughs> I remember. And, uh, and, and it was really kind of foggy images and it really wasn't great. But in the last 20 years or so, I've seen this develop into very clear pocket sized devices that really has been a game changer for, you know, the point of care community. Yeah. You guys are really doing an awesome job out there. The old guts and glory days, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, they, they make very important decisions out there and to have another Absolutely. tool like this would make their more accurate. Yeah. So the, I guess that's definitely, uh, any more advantages that you see to the pre-hospital providers? Absolutely. It's, uh, very useful in patients that have undifferentiated shock. You know, when we find patients with low blood pressures, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's very difficult to ascertain exactly what's going wrong with them. And then of course, we have some pretty advanced treatments available to them, but you have to get the right treatment in for the right pathology. 
And that's where point-of-care ultrasound really shines in, in emergency work. How widespread is point-of-care ultrasound in the United States ambulance environment today? Uh, not very well established yet. As you know, um, point-of-care ultrasound has really taken off in Europe, and they've been using it for 20 to 25 years. Uh, over here in the U.S., uh, it's really been uh, a big thing in emergency medicine, perhaps for the last 10 years, but uh, the ambulance groups have been pretty slow to adopt it. And I think that's mainly because uh, the ED docs were kind of a little bit behind uh, in coming up to speed with it. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a lack of information about it. So many ambulance groups out there don't even know that it would be available to them. So currently we're, we're only seeing about 5% of all ground-based EMS ambulances, you know, using it or entertaining the idea to use it. You know, I noticed, too, uh, regarding teaching at the community college there, you use the uh, ultrasound device. Uh, what are you using, like a laptop, like a Sonosite or a handheld? Yep, got okay. a couple of different devices. The college actually purchased um, a uh, venue, a GE venue, which is very mm -hmm. useful. We hooked it up to the projector, and mm -hmm. uh, we were able to teach with it. So your students, you're using the ultrasound to highlight organs and everything in A&P class? Yes. When, um, when I was teaching full-time at MCC, it was a very useful tool to show them exactly where the spleen was, how big it is. Um, same is true with other organs. They often don't get a sense of where it is internally unless they can actually see it. And then the other neat thing is it is able to show the variability of human anatomy, which you generally don't get in textbooks. Today, I'm still teaching with ultrasound uh, for an organization called Upstate Life Support Training, and we still use it to train in anatomy and physiology, any students that want to learn about it. I'm thinking uh, for paramedics and stuff, do you see any obstacles with you uh, promoting this, promoting the point of care ultrasound? Yeah, it's, um, you know, Paramedics who are older and more established and maybe at the head of their uh, game, they don't like mm -hmm. to hear that there's something new out there that they don't know about because now suddenly they're not the go-to people for the answers. And they're also fearful that they're going to have to learn a lot more. But the, the beauty of point-of-care ultrasound is it's not very challenging to learn if you put your mind to it. And uh, I think some people are just fearful of the unknown. So give me a day in the life, and you come up on, let's see, you're, you're in the ambulance, you're a paramedic, uh, you come up on a, MV, a motor vehicle accident. Uh, how's that going to play out? What would you do? You know, that's, that's a good, uh, good role. You know, we would do everything that we currently do. So we would, you know, make sure that the scene is safe and make sure mm -hmm. that all the patients are identified and all the standard stuff. And then uh, we would continue to do our quick history and physical exam on the patients, but once they're loaded, typically, we would then do a quick fast exam, for instance, to make sure that we didn't miss anything. And so point-of-care ultrasound may help us find things that we didn't previously think were there. So if you found, you know, intraperitoneal um, liquid, that would certainly be blood in that circumstance, and it might allow us to up, you know, up uh, triage our patient to the more appropriate facility. So we would never use it to say the patient's healthy, we can go to the local community hospital. It's sort of a tool to say, oops, we didn't realize the patient was as sick as they are, and they may need a higher level of care. 
Yeah, so I'm just imagining you guys are doing a lot of maybe focused cardiac, some long, uh, e-fast, those kind of rush, those kind of different protocols. Absolutely. In fact, you know, the, um, the one thing, a pneumothorax and tension pneumothorax is an incredibly difficult call to make in the pre-hospital setting. And a study done a few years ago showed that about one in four times when we put a needle in the chest, um, there isn't that condition. And so this could really help us fine tune that procedure. Right, right. Now, how about the, on the FAST exams? Are you doing like serial ones? Like you'll do one initially uh, for free, finding the free fluid, and then what happens? Do you, as you maybe have a long trip to the hospital, do you do another one, or how does that work? Yep, organizations that are deploying it in the ground-based system, uh, especially if they have mm-hmm. long transport times, are encouraged to repeat the scan if it's negative or indeterminate um, every 10 or 15 minutes just so they can get a sense of whether there's any change. You know, even if the scan is positive, if they repeat it in 10 minutes, they might get a sense of, you know, there's substantially more bleeding going on in a body cavity um, than, than what they saw before. So it sort of gives them a sense of, you know, how bad is it, you know, is it going on inside the body, which is something we've never had before. We've only been able to examine the outside. And, uh, you know, as you know, there's quite a bit of thing, pathologies that can occur on the inside. Give me a, a recent case you might have had that where point of care really uh, shined in the, uh, you know, the ambulance environment. I can think of one that really stands out in my mind, and it was uh, during a 10K race. We were based in a, a medical tent with physicians and paramedics and, mm-hmm. and EMTs staffing the medical tent, and we had a 63-year-old gentleman come into the medical tent after running the race, and uh, he had a history of having a past heart attack and he was hypotensive his blood pressure was 80 over 40 and wow you know we were very concerned that he might be having another myocardial infarction another heart attack mm-hmm. and uh when we quickly put the uh, ekg on him we found that he was in sinus rhythm and there were no you know acute findings that we could see and then when we did a quick point of care ultrasound we were able to see a very vigorously contracting heart that was pretty empty and the IVC was flat. So we knew that he was probably just very deficient in fluid. And by infusing him mm-hmm. with some saline, he, we corrected his vital signs and he felt great. And the physicians and paramedics were actually comfortable with him being discharged from the medical tent. But, you know, prior to having the ultrasound, we would have been very nervous about giving somebody like that a lot of fluid because if he had congestive heart failure, that would be a problem. So it really helps us fine tune the therapies um, so that we can treat the patient more accurately. So it's, I guess it's fair to say when you teach your students or most paramedics, the, I don't know, whatever number you want to put out, the top four or five um, moda- protocols you'd want to use would be, uh, do you, can you elaborate on that? What do you need to know to be a paramedic uh, and use a POCUS? Well, what's nice about Pocus, unlike the 12 lead, where, you know, when we taught paramedics to use the 12 lead, they really had to learn just about everything there was to know about reading an EKG. But the nice thing about point of care ultrasound is we can teach them in modules and they can go out and be great at that particular exam. And then once they're comfortable with that, they can go on to learn others. So for instance, the, the fast exam is a great place to start. They can in four to six hours of training and then with a lot of practice, they can go out and be pretty competent at that. Uh, and then if they want to learn how to start IVs using, you know, ultrasound guided, you know, IV starts, 
um, another four hours, mm-hmm. they can learn that. And then if they want to learn, you know, lung exams and lung slide. So the beauty of this is it's very um, modularized and we can meet the needs of a particular ambulance organization based on what they feel they need. So what do you think the future holds for a point of care ultrasound? Where do you see it going? Well, say for a paralegal, a uh, paralegal, excuse me, for <laughs> paramedics in general. Um, you know, I think technology is the wave of the future. When I look back at the my 41-year career in EMS, the, the big things that really changed um, patient care and our abilities to get it right were adding sophisticated technology. You know, the original cardiac monitors came into the field and it helped us identify VFib and shock that. AEDs came into the field and allowed everybody to take care of patients. 12 leads did that. And I think the ultrasound now is another tool that will dramatically change the way we can assess and treat patients. And I think the future uh, is very exciting because just what we've seen in the last 10 years in terms of processing speed and ability of these devices, you know, I could, I could envision putting, you know, a probe on the patient, moving it around quickly and having a 3D easily understood image in front of us that uh, is highly accurate, uh, could tell us what the fluids are. For instance, you know, in, C- in the CT world, they have Hounsfield units where they can tell the difference between fluid in the chest, whether it's blood or you know, serosanguinous. This is, uh, I think, something that the ultrasound world will have in the near future because these engineers and uh, researchers are doing amazing work with the processing ability of the tool. Great stuff. Great stuff, Peter. And uh, I want to thank you for uh, speaking on our show today. And uh, I'd like to also send out an appreciation to the audience for listening. And don't forget, for even more uh, POCUS talk, follow us on Twitter at POCUS Academy and on Facebook at Pocus Cert Academy. Peter, it was an honor to have you today on our podcast, man. James, thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, Focus on Pocus. Be sure to tune in with us next week for more interviews with thought leaders that are on the forefront of global point-of-care ultrasound. Thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are the views and opinions of the guests and not those of Intelios. This podcast is for information purposes only.